All right, I got my stuff pulled up. We can begin. Everybody ready? Ready. You amped up? Okay, let's start off here. How's everybody's week? Everybody have a good week? Bad week? Terrible week? It's Monday night. Are you referring to, we're recording this on Monday night, are you referring to this current week? Because we're about like a like a day and a half in, or previous week, what are we talking about? Which Whichever week you like. <laughs> What is wrong with you? Let's just, this last week. This last week. How was it? Good week? Bad week? Why are y'all so confused? I don't understand. What is wrong with y'all? <laughs> uh, my last week was... Uh, I'm just trying to see how long the silence goes on for. This, is this... Uh, is this, uh, this is great. Uh, I had a fantastic last week. You know, I was coming off of one of my worst Nationals performance ever. And I get on a plane and it, you know, started in sunny Florida. It's like 80 degrees. And my forecast back home is for a high of 26. And I get to Dallas Monday evening and my flights home are all canceled for that day. So I get a hotel and then all the flights get canceled the next day. Ugh. And then all the flights get canceled the next day. And then finally, like it's Thursday before any flights actually come home. Oh, my so God. I had to rent a car and drive home. Which I thought, okay, cool. I'll just go to the airport and get my bag real quick and and drive home before the because I had to drive home like in a snowstorm, so I didn't want to get home before it was dark. And then it was like four hours later when I actually got my bags and was able to leave. So it that was that was a fun start to that week. Holy crap! Yeah, that's miserable. So here's a hint: if you're ever flying American and you end up for whatever reason like you need to like drive home like you're you got a connection and you got to drive home just let your bag go on and then go to the airport and pick it up later because american is so much of a cluster that they don't know where your bag's at in the airport they have no idea and it's going to take them forever to find it and so rather than just sit in the airport for literally hours just just let them ship it home whenever they get ready to ship it home and drive on home That'd be my recommendation. Can you do that, though, if you got guns in it? Yes, you can. That's crazy, dude. That, crazy. Uh, that does not sound very fun. It was it was great. I was loving life. And th- the bad thing was is that uh, that Tuesday when I was waiting on my bag, that was my son's second birthday. Oh. And so I really wanted to get home. And I was, like, trying to tell the baggage, like, man, I really need to get home. And... I got home at like 10.30, and yeah, so pretty much missed that. That was not not the best in the world, but luckily he's two, and so he doesn't really know it's his birthday. Like, he doesn't really, doesn't really comprehend that, but yeah, otherwise. Yeah, still, that, uh, that does sucks. That make you, does that make you want to, how, how many times did you cuss yourself for not driving the, the entire trip? Oof. So the, I mean, so for me, the drive is 24 hours to get to. But you do that. You like to drive. I've done that at least half a dozen times. I've done that a lot. So it's not something new. Yeah. I I did not do that this year. And uh, travel time, I probably would have been about a break even if I had driven it Um, versus, versus the flying with all the delays and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that I uh, yeah, driving might would have been a better option. 
But oh well, live and learn. Yep. Yeah. Jeez. But next year we're lucky because it's in sunny Alabama. Oh, joy. Best place in the world in the country that we can possibly have a match. So, you know, we got to worry about those issues. I can drive to Alabama. So you missed um, your son's second birthday. Yeah. But guess what? Next year you won't miss his birthday. That's true. Next year I should be there. Well, Mother's Day is a different story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll be that'll be Mother's Day about three months after my wife has given birth to our second child, and yeah, I will have to miss that. So that's uh, that's that'll be great. She understood that when she married a shooter. Well, I wasn't a shooter when we got married. I was a trumpet player. So the same difference. Yeah, kinda. Not not really, but kinda. She married kinda, you because you. She married you because you were a trumpet player. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was so a trumpet player is a like as we referred to ourselves, we were small muscle athletes, which means we got our muscles in our lips. We're we're small muscle athletes. Where it counts. Where it counts. That's advantageous. That's advantageous. You know. So what All can right. I say? Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's get through this dumb stuff and let's start talking about shooting. <laughs> We can talk about this, this we can talk about a, dumb stuff. What is Jeremy's week like? And then we start we get into I don't know how I got how we got where we were, but oh, that was awesome. Jared, how was your week? I got up, went to work, came home, went to bed, and then did it again several times. Yeah. Next. Really solid week. Yeah. Jason, it's you. So I've got I'm gonna talk about this for a while because I have a lot to talk about and it's very interesting. Let's do it. I'm just joking. I just want to piss Jared off. Um, <laughs> no, my week. I, I don't know, man. My week actually last week at work, uh, a week back. I was not happy to be back. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Is that why you sent all your sh- your shooting resume to CZ? Trying to get all that CZ money? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. yeah, that was good. That was good. That's why. Yeah, Makes he was sense. trying to get a different what job. Was your week, Jeff? It was solid. It was so- thanks for asking, dude. Thanks for asking. No, I try to. I try to be thoughtful. Yeah. No, it was a good week. I was motivated. I got a lot done. Oh, something really bad happened though. I found out that I have a raccoon infestation in my attic. Why is that really bad? Why is that bad? You're a hippie, dude. Why is that bad? Because yeah. they piss and shit everywhere, and you gotta like pay people a lot of money to come get them out and deal with all but that. Nature, bro. Nature. Yeah. So Why are I'm, you paying? Like you? Wait, wait, wait. You gotta pay somebody to get these things out. Yeah, it's like it's supposed to be a pretty bad, uh, like health risk to clean it all out yourself. Just get up there and shoot them. Well, you could shoot them, but. I guess they carry uh, roundworms, is what they're called. And they can go airborne. So you're not supposed to, like, try to get up there and clean it all. Like, the whole attic's going to have to be redone. Like, insulation, everything. It's bad up there. There's, like, a whole family of them. I hope your insurance is going to cover this. Me too. Uh, Yeah, I was talking about your shooting budget for the next three years. Sounds like it just got shot. Yeah. So I was talking insurance. Uh, people today. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but we'll see. 
That's what I found out yesterday. Well, I knew something was up there. Obviously, you can hear them, but I kind of thought it was squirrels for a while. And then one day it was like, just sounded a lot bigger than a squirrel. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So yesterday I was up there with a flashlight and I found them. They were snoozing. They were just sleeping, cuddled up in the insulation. So you're saying it was a perfect opportunity, like one shot with a 12 gauge, you could have taken out the whole family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that would have been bad. That would have been awesome. But yeah, I guess that probably could have, I could probably could have done that. Yeah. You missed out. Yeah. So other than that, it was a good week. Good week. All right. So now we are getting into the, the topic of the evening. Jared, <laughs> you seem like you want to lead this. I would be happy to. So in the, in this week's episode, after we heard about Jeff's raccoon issues, we are going to discuss limited nationals. And Jeremy is the only one on our podcast that shot limited nationals. So he's going to break it down for us a little bit. You know, tell us what was interesting in the match as far as any stages that were interesting. Maybe pick one thing you liked, one thing you didn't like. Tell us a little bit about how his match went. And we'll go from there. So, Jeremy, why don't you tell us one thing you liked about the match, one thing you did not like about the match? Sorry, um, there's something going on in the other room in my house that sounds like a. It sounded like a raccoon was dying. Actually, you better check know. it out, man, before it's too late. Before it's too late, <laughs> you have an infestation. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I got distracted for a second. Um, I would say the stages in general were actually pretty good. Um, in that they were, they were, uh, let's see the best way to say this. There's a lot of variances in it. Uh, like it wasn't, it like the flavor wasn't like one flavor of match. You had a lot of different, there's a lot of distance shooting. But there's also quite a bit of, there was some stage where we had a lot of close, fast shooting. Um, you know, you had some strong hand. There wasn't any weak hand uh, in our match, which, Feel like there should have been some weekend, but you know there was a couple kind of memoryish stages. There were there were lots of stages that had had some options uh, and viable options, not just some sort of dumb option that Jeff was looking at just to just because he was looking at a dumb option that he could yell at me about. But they had <laughs> had lots of stages with with lots of options. Um, so I would say that the stages were were good for a nationals match, especially if you were to compare these versus the stages at single stack nationals, these were way above and beyond those. So I, I would definitely, definitely say that was cool. What I don't like about the match. I don't know. Uh, outside of my, my personal performance, um, you know, I, I okay. I, I'll I will pick on one thing. Um, I think that USPSA needs to try and do a better job of getting all any sort of contender on a super squad, so that they're all shooting the same stages, the same days, and same times of day. I think that's I think that's pretty important, especially especially when you're talking in Florida this year. This year, I don't think it. The weather didn't play that big a factor this year. But in Frostproof, if depending on what squad rotation you're on, if you're in the wrong bay in the morning, like you are completely screwed, like your first stage of the day. Like 
there will be a massive difference on shooting that. So if you you end up with the the super the guys in contention that have to shoot into a sun, another guy that's in contention as well not shooting into the sun, then I that's kind of problematic there that that there's a big advantage, you know, or it rains all the time in Florida. I was pretty fortunate. Uh, almost most of the limited match, we kind of we kind of s- skipped most of the rain, so we, we didn't we didn't get a lot of rain uh, for the limited match. Even I think either either schedule that you were on. So Jared was there the whole all the, all of the days, all the match. I don't really remember it raining during limited. Is that am I remembering incorrectly? I don't remember any rain, and if there was none, that mattered. Yeah, I never, I never had to get my rain jacket out myself, but, but that could play a huge factor. Uh, and so, I mean, this year, so we had in limited, you had the winner coming off of a, he was not on the super squad. He was not on the same schedule as the super squad. And has he shot limited for no, but you kind of know that Mason lane is like, you kind of know going, okay, he's in contention to win. Nils Jonathan was signed up, uh, we didn't really know he was signed up for product with his production gun at the time, but he was signed up limited major. He was not on the super squad. He was not shooting with those guys. Like he's probably the best limited shooter we've ever had in the sport. Uh, he should be shooting with the super squad. Uh, and so I, I think, I think USPSA needs to do a better job of identifying who are the guys who are going to be in contention for the match and making sure that they are shooting together. I think that makes a difference. I think that's a fair point. I think that's a lot to ask, though, for yeah, for what the organization has shown us the last couple of years. They just like, I don't think they care about that that much. So it's it's a it's a lot to expect from them at this point. I think maybe, but I mean, how hard is it to come up with a list of like the thirty best shooters in the country, fifty best shooters in the country, like? That wouldn't be that. That wouldn't be so difficult. It was like it, it was not hard. To, it was not hard for anybody who pays attention to the sport to look through the squad list and be like, oh, there's Mace, Mason Lane is shooting this. That'll be interesting to see. He just came in second in production. Uh, this guy's solid. Oh, Nils. Hmm. Is Nils any good at limit? I don't know. I can't figure that out. If he should be with the super squad guys or not. That's a tough one. I mean, like. Yeah, are you going to miss some with some up-and-coming shooter? You know, you might have a freaking young kid named Jason Bradley that pops up out of nowhere, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> takes second in the Boomer division. And, like, yeah, that's harder to predict. But I was actually – I think I should – I think I was supposed to be on the super squad, but I didn't get moved to it, so. Yeah, that was, that was strange because their procedure for the super squad in the last two years has basically been go – order of finish from previous year's nationals, which they go, the top 10 are automatically in it. And then they will, if there are people who were in the top 10 last year that aren't shooting that year for whatever reason, then they will just go down the list from there. But you were what, 13th last year? No, I was further than that. I was 16th. And, um, and they had the 15th person on there. And then the squad was a person light from what I understand. So they didn't have. They only had eleven. I, from my understanding, I could be wrong, but from my understanding, I think they only had eleven people on the squad. I thought Sasquatch was fifteenth last year. I thought he beat you. He was one spot better than you. He's thirteenth. Th- yeah, thirteenth. Oh, but he, he did, was a lot. But he didn't better shoot than it last so yeah, year. A lot better. 
So, so yeah. Anyway, I mean, not that I, I didn't care. But I mean, no, you're right. I mean, if they, I, I mean, yeah, if that's how if that's how they're gonna do it, then they should go by that. And I, I appreciate the top ten from the previous year automatic super squad. Like, like I think that's I think that's good. Uh, if all ten shooters from the previous year show up, then yeah, they, you should you should be able to earn your way onto the super squad. It shouldn't just be a a good old boys club. But there's no reason that you can't have a second super squad, right? Uh, you know, if you're right. shooting two divisions, then you might have a super squad that's kind of your top guys that didn't shoot it last year, but it's in open and limited. You make a combined super B super squad or something. I think mm-hmm. that's very legitimate to do when you when you have known guys who are known to be extremely competitive uh, and at the top of the sport, they should be shooting the same rotation, basically same times as the other super squad, in my opinion. So my question question to that would be is, um, do you just do a B squad, an A and a B squad? And then, you know, um, what happens if, uh, let's say, Neil's like, no, I know I'm supposed to be on the B squad since I didn't shoot. You know, I would I would normally get on the B squad, but I want to shoot with my my friends. So what are you going to do about that? I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm just also thinking that maybe there's more to it. And, you know, and, and it's, it's it's kind of a pain in the butt for somebody to be constantly going down the list going, OK, this person would be next. This person would be. Oh, this person may have a chance. Let's put them on this, too. You know, yes, it would be a pain to go down that list. But I think we can all agree we we paid USPSA money to shoot that match. We expect a good competition. I would say that it's reasonable to expect them to make sure the top guys in contention to win it are shooting together. Yeah, I, I just I don't think that's that hard to glance through the list. You know, the last couple of weeks and, and look through it. One, they got G's next to their name, most likely. Um, but to glance through that list, like the names that you know are going to be stick out pretty i mean it was pretty obvious to everybody oh neil's a shooting he's not on super squad oh mason's shooting he's not on the super squad like that wasn't that wasn't like any big surprise that you had two of the top four shooters not on the super squad like that that wasn't hard to figure out in my opinion um mm-hmm. as far as the uh because there are there are people that that are on the super squad or should be on the super squad that that say, hey, no, I, I don't want, I want to shoot with my buddies. That, I, to me, that's a tough one. Uh, in all honesty, that, that is a tough one. Because uh, there are, there are personalities for people with the super squad, like, I, they just, they don't want to shoot with other super squad members. Like, there are just personalities that conflict. I know, of, I know of some from this year. Um, I think that's where maybe having a B squad would be helpful. And then if you, if you got a personality conflict with a guy on the super squad, you can put them on the B super squad. I do think anybody that has legit shot of winning nationals should be shooting under the yeah. same conditions as the other competitors with a legit shot to win. So may, maybe the simple solution is there's a limited A and B, an open A and B. And then if someone was in the top six the year before, require them to be on the A squad. Yes. Odds are very high. The winner's going to come out of somebody that was in the top six the year before. It'd be an easy solution. And, you know, I, I get the people that maybe don't get along or don't, their personalities don't mix well. And if it's, if it's not something that's easy for 
them to be like, okay, you're on A and you're on B. If that's not an easy enough solution, then unfortunately the point of nationals is a national championship. So True. Th- they'd have to suck it up. Like you can be like, we'll suck it up or don't shoot the match. Yeah, I'm more along those lines. I mean, I think if you want to shoot with your buddies, tough. I mean, it's it's a national championship. Yeah. You don't you get to do whatever you want. You you shoot against your competition. You shoot against people who are in contention to win. It doesn't matter if you want to shoot with your buddies. That's what I think. Wow. Look at Jeff coming hard with that opinion, man. And it was it Man, was- ever since Ever since his raccoon's gotten his attic, he's just been really like fired up. He's ready to get after it now. I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it. I, we need to see more of this, Jeff. I, I mean, I think Jeff may have been Jeff's, like that he may be done, like with with his opinions. But <laughs> I do no longer. I 100 percent agree with that. Nationals is nationals should be the ultimate competition in our sport. That is all about finding the best shooter in the country in the most equitable way possible. And and having all of them shoot on the same squad or on back-to-back squads at least is is the best way to do that. Yeah. You well, can yeah. shoot I mean, all think, the rest of the year with your buddies. All the rest and of the year you shoot can't, with your buddies. Uh, if you can't get along with people, that's I mean, that's your problem. You if you can't keep it together and get, get along with people, then you can't win. I don't see how that should matter either. Well, and do, doing an A and B would be really easy too, because if you did a super squad A, super squad B, you you automatically take the I'll pick a number top ten from the previous year, and then you go through and look who's registered that shot a different division the previous year that was in the top ten. You add them in, and then you fill the remainder off of the previous year's finishes. Yeah, I agree, uh, and that the top ten deal. Well, I mean, we can go on another rabbit hole. I love going on rabbit holes that keeps me from having to talk about my match uh <laughs> we'll get to that but uh but the the other thing with with using the top the top 10 from the previous years is right now they are changing the nationals so much every year that like like they're pairing them up differently and so you might end up your, your top 10s are going to be drastically different um from year to year and so like like that's kind of hard to hard to do that because when they change them every year your top 10 people are forced into shooting different divisions than what they might would shoot um normally if that makes sense yeah yeah that's true which means they should stop changing it up that's yeah i don't I know agree. what the, yeah i'm kind of on that i one, think there should at least be like a three or four year rotation hey we're gonna do this for the next three years okay then we'll do this for the next three years yeah, like we just had production nationals, and we're doing it again in six months. It's gonna be a short off season. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, do we do we want to do we want to talk about nationals for next year right now? No, we want to talk no. about nationals that you shot this year. Yeah, well, we're gonna see what Jason wanted to say real quick. Why you guys interrupted him rudely? Oh no, it's okay. Um, I was <laughs> just gonna say. I mean, is that just for nationals? We don't want to do that for area matches too. Should area matches be a bigger deal than they are? And should the people that have the um, a legitimate shot at uh, winning it, should they all have to shoot on the same day and maybe even the same squad? So I would argue not letting people shoot with staff that are serious. Like staff should be... Ding, 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 ding. 
staff day should be staff only. As far as making people shoot on the same schedule for an area match, I I would disagree with that because that could cause you to lose a lot of competition in an area match because it might, you know, when you start talking flying somewhere for two days like that, you want to get back as soon as possible, minimize time out of work. Like it would Everything be really, you're saying is the same thing for nationals. Every single yeah, exact thing, same I, thing. My my point is nationals is a bigger deal. Oh yeah. If Duh. if you if you told me I had to shoot uh, area eight's a good example. It was uh, what you could either shoot the whole thing on Saturday or the whole thing on Sunday. If you told me I had to shoot it on Sunday, I probably wouldn't have shot it this year just because that would cause me an extra day out of work for nothing gained. When for an area match, I don't think you need a super squad. You also probably wouldn't fill a super squad. You generally, if you look through most divisions, there's yeah, you know, three, three. Or, three or, three or yeah. four guys fighting for the win in the populated divisions. So I, I don't think you need it for an area match. Just don't allow them to shoot on. Don't just competitors need to shoot on competitor day. Staff day should be staff only. Why is that real quick? Why do you think that is? I've heard other people say that. Well, you, you're, you're completely taking them out of the same days. So you're taking them out of the same conditions for sure. Like regardless and by conditions, I mean like pressure the people around them. They're shooting with staff. They're not. They're not competing. Generally speaking, people shooting on staff day are not overly competitive. They're, you know, they're generally there to work the match, and they still shoot. So putting them, putting someone that's highly competitive that's in contention to win that match in those conditions, is substantially different than shooting with the people that are actually going to win it. There's also squirrely things happen on staff day. Stuff they figure out, they kind of sometimes staff day kind of gets used to figure out stages and stuff gets shot on staff day. And then it's different the next day for the, for the real, the main competition, like targets may have been moved. Um, you see squirrely stuff, AKA area eight. And we saw that somebody shooting on staff day actually affected who won area eight in production division because whoever was, because it was, not being run in a appropriate manner. And so Niels won and Mason actually won. And it was because, because staff day is ran like, like it's, it's like your local match. Like the timers get passed around. Uh, you don't have, you don't have a set RO that's running every, every like running one stage all day and they're running it yeah. equally the same for every competitor. Like it's, it's just, Staff day should be for staff. It gives staff an opportunity if they want to shoot the match to shoot the match. Competitors should shoot with other competitors under the same conditions that the other competitors shoot in. Um, the other thing about the other thing to kind of rebut your at nationals, you, you don't have an option of shooting at different days. Like you're gonna be you're gonna be there for the certain number of days to be there. So like, like so for limited limited open nationals. If you were going to shoot limited or open, you were going to be shooting from Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It didn't matter what schedule you were on. So as far as taking off from work or anything like that, you had to do that. You go to your level twos and your level threes. Those are those are shot on. You have an option to shoot all day Friday or Saturday and Sunday or all day Saturday or all day Sunday. You have lots of different options, and that gives people chances to make it work around their schedules, and and people need to be able to do that for level twos and level threes so that they can just attend them 
Whereas nationals is typically a match where people are going to be taking vacation. They're setting their schedules around that. They're going to set their schedules for that. And I don't think it's, I don't think for nationals is too big of an ask to require the guys that's going to win to shoot that. Well, I do, I do think that's more to ask to make all the top competitors schedules line up for eight area matches throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, I think that sounds reasonable. Sounds good. All right. So, Jeremy, let's get uh, into your match a little bit. We won't we won't dig on you too hard. I know you said it was the the worst match you talked that you shot. And while I know from experience that it really sucks to dig into a match that was bad that you want to forget it, I think it does create good content for the listeners of what you were going through and, and discussing the problems in general. So, uh, once you get into it a little bit, tell us kind of what happened across the days and, you know, what you did at the end of that to kind of turn it around. Cause you did shoot very well the third day overall. Hmm. Well, I mean, so this was my worst nationals performance. I've placed, I've placed lower than this, but as far as comparable to my skill, this was probably my worst, worst nationals performance I've ever had. For that to be uh, the finish of this year, which this year has been a bit of a just not good year shooting wise for me. Freaking, I got lost to a guy from Oklahoma like three times. Like that's not was that's it more rough, than three bro. times? Like that's that's rough. Like he's a bald headed guy from Oklahoma. That's that's a tough <laughs> pill to swallow. And so you know you're hoping maybe maybe you got you got your last nationals of the year. Uh, you're actually shooting well in practice, going up to it, thinking okay. I might can redeem this year with a little bit and and it just it didn't happen. Uh the first the first day started off I mean I my first stage of the match I knew I was 2 seconds off the pace and I had a mic on a swinger. It's like okay, first stage like yeah, you're down 40 points, but you know, first stage no big deal. Try to stay positive. Second stage was probably worse than the first stage. It's like, okay, don't don't get mad. Just like try to stay positive, uh, positive thoughts. And it uh, it didn't really get better the entire first day. It pretty much just kind of stayed coasting in about that uh, I don't know sixty to seventy percent range. On I didn't actually look that close on stage finishes, and so that was you know it's like okay. First day, you had a bad first day. We can turn it around for the rest of this match. It's okay. We we just saw Max, you know, carry optics match. His first day was not, by his standards, not good. And uh, we saw what he did second day, which was probably the best day of shooting at a Nationals that anybody's ever had. It's like, okay, you can turn around day two. So we try to come in at day two with a positive attitude and – Pretty much same thing. First two or three stages were uh, pretty rough, and at that point, it's like, okay, it's. I was trying to stay positive, and and that was that was not really possible at that point. And so then day three, I tried to. I shot the first two stages. I think I had a mic on the first two stages of day three again, and finally for about stage three, I just said, screw it. I'm just gonna go for stage wins at this point. Like I'm just gonna hammer down. I don't care if I mess up. Like. I'm just going to go for it. So that's what I did. And actually stage three was my best stage of the match. My 
only good state why one good stage in the match jared says i shot well day three i did not shoot well day three i had one good stage day three uh, and that that ended up being i was third place like 96 percent and so you made up a lot you made up a lot of points and positions on the third day whether you realize you did or not you you did a lot better the third day maybe but i will say at least that one stage like it did it did show me that okay you were pretty well i was pretty well shooting scared for the whole match i was and it wasn't that wasn't my mentality going in. I was I, I had a mentality of trying to be aggressive, but I was afraid of making a mistake. And that may have been because I started off with with a mic on the first two stages, and so it's like okay, I don't have that many more to absorb, and that may have put kind of put the brakes on me a little bit. I don't know, but the guys that are winning in this sport are really freaking good, and for me to compete with them, I cannot like. If there's any sort of doubt, if there's any sort of holdback in my mind, I won't be able to compete. I won't be able to keep up with them. And so for me, it's like I need to be hammered down and be willing to eat mistakes if that's if that's what being aggressive means. And the truthfully, in the end, in in all honesty, if if you can get into that that aggressive mindset and i was talking with casey reed a lot about this after the match um because he's kind of in a, he's kind of similar thought process on it the truth is if you can get in that aggressive mindset you probably will make fewer mistakes um than when you're than when you shoot just a little to try to avoid mistakes um that's that can be really tough to find that find that place mentally for for i think for people but for me like that's that's kind of tough to find that that place where I'm okay with screwing up, especially at, at a nationals, and and maybe I need to change my approach to where I mean I have I have said unapologetically like the only real match that I care about every year is nationals. I don't really care about <clears throat> area matches, level two matches, whatever. Like those are practice for nationals, and and maybe that mindset's putting too much pressure on nationals for myself maybe that's and that's you know i'm just putting too much pressure there to where i'm making it basically impossible for me to to be able to perform well and so maybe i need to i don't know how, i don't know how to change that mindset i don't know how to change that mindset so that i shoot better at nationals uh if i maybe i don't i don't know if just not talking about it is the appropriate uh, the appropriate thing, like how to, how do I make nationals less of a big deal? I don't know. That's something that's something that I've, I'm contemplating. I have kind of some ideas on for 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 what I can maybe do differently in the future. But I don't I don't necessarily know exactly what the the right answer is for that. So uh, you you shot fairly well at single stack and L ten nationals. Uh, you, you finished fairly well at both of those. What do you think was the the difference? Because I mean, clearly at those two matches, you were you're right there with you know everybody as far as time. I think you actually had the fastest route time at like the top ten at least in single sack nationals, if I remember correctly. So okay, I mean, so just so listeners have just kind of the raw stats and comparing the data. It's a single stack. I was ninety five percent of the winner at L ten. I was ninety two percent of the winner, and then at limited, I was. 80% of the winner. So, I mean, a, a, a massive drop down 
um, in that single stack, I had the fastest time of the match. <laughs> yeah, single stack, I think I had the fastest time of the match. L10, I think I had like the third fastest. Um, and then was, I don't know where I was at in limited versus the the rest of the competition um, time-wise because it didn't, it didn't matter. By the end of the match, I didn't really care about those stats. So as far as what the difference is, I mean, that's a tough one for me to answer. Uh, I don't, I don't know a hundred percent. Is there, is there something in the, am I just more effective in the low cap game where there's, you're doing reloads and stuff like that in between positions and the high cap game, you're really got to blend positions more. And I'm not, maybe I'm not doing as well blending positions um, as I need to, because I shoot a lot of low cap. I don't shoot as much high cap. Um, Maybe. I would actually tend to, if I would, if I was to just give my gut feeling on that and single stack and L10, I was shooting on the super squad for both of those. And so I was shooting directly against the competition and seeing what they were doing. And I'm typically a type of person that kind of rise or lower myself to what the environment is. And so if I'm shooting with people who are good, really good, my, my shooting performance tends to rise up to that level. And if I'm shooting not with those people, my performance tends to kind of mirror some of those other people. So for me, I think being on the super squad is actually a, a benefit for me. And so that maybe that maybe that played into a little bit is that I wasn't shooting against against them with those guys. And so maybe just seeing that pace and trying to trying to figure out that pace on my own is I don't know, maybe that maybe that kind of explains a little bit of that as far as the the pace of the match is concerned. What else you got for him, Jared? I don't know if that totally answers that question or not, but no, that was good, man. That was good. It it, it does. I, I think it really gets into though something in the uh, in the game that's so important is is that you know there is so many aspects that that matter in USPSA. Obviously, you know the shooting skill itself is important, but you also you can't be in your own way. Yeah, yeah, and I was. I mean, I was definitely my worst enemy at this match. And, and I, that's, I mean, that's something I struggle with. Like, I, I mean, my entire competitive career, I mean, going back from, you know, I played competitive tennis in high school, all that, it was all the way till, till now it's when things go bad and I tend to be a pretty self-critical person. I'm pretty critical of myself when things go bad. I can sometimes struggle with, uh, getting a bad attitude, uh, getting down on myself, you know, kind of that you're an idiot, you're terrible, you suck at this uh, this, this thing. And, you know, that's something that I, I, this, this year at Lemon Nationals, I really tried really hard not to do that, especially the first like day and a half. Like I, I really tried to, to stay as positive as I can and it didn't seem to matter. Um, like it didn't seem to make any difference, uh, what I thought in that standpoint. Um, so, you know, I don't know, but I, I mean, I think there is something to that. And, and, and I don't, I personally don't know how to get out of my own way. Like it's this, I mean, it's, for me, it's kind of a, it's just an ongoing thing in the sport. My, my skills in my skills and what I'm able to do, I don't feel like I've ever been able to showcase that at a, at a nationals match, even, even include this year's singles. Like I've never been able to like show like what I think I'm capable of doing and so like that's that's pretty frustrating to know like like I can't 
I can't work harder to get better at nationals. Like it's not like there's no like I can't train harder. Like training harder is not a fix for this problem. Yeah. And so that's like that's kind of tough to figure. Okay, okay, if you can't work harder at it, because that's normally my normally what I'm going to do is okay. If this is not good, I'll just work harder. Like I'll I'll shoot more rounds or I'll dry fire more or I'll go to more matches if I need to. Like I'll just I'll just work harder. And this issue doesn't really seem to be a a work harder issue that doesn't really seem to matter. Um, it's more of a bring, bring your a game to the mat to match that matters the most. So I think, I think me and you actually probably talked about this while we were at nationals. Um, I remember whenever we interviewed Henning and we're talking with him, uh, you know, he mentioned that he didn't practice the week of, of, ma- of a major match, yeah. a match he was cared about. And that is certainly something that I'm going to look into a little bit more because after we, I never thought about it from the standpoint of it until we were talking about it at nationals. But if you, is it possible to feel too overly prepared? You go in there kind of with the mindset of like, you know that you're supposed to do good because you're, you're so well prepared that you've been practicing all week that maybe you, you get a little tense or you get in your own head, you make a mistake and then you, then you lay up trying to not add to it, even if you don't mean to where I, I kind of, I want to, I want to experiment with myself. Cause I think that uh, you might free your mind of a little bit of the, of the stuff. If you don't, you know, if you take a, a few days off, go do something else instead of continuing practicing. Cause it's, it's not like you're going to get massively better in two days, three days that you were on the range. What do you think on that? Yeah, so uh, that's actually something that I mean, I I did a little bit of that this year. Um, and before I, before I answer that, I will say this year with COVID and with the changing schedule and how it got everything kind of got all moved around and stuff, I felt like I actually as a shooter, I was I was shooting some of the best I've ever shot this year. Just like I mean, as far as practice is concerned, but I also pretty much always felt behind the eight ball. Like I always felt like I was my shooting was reactionary. Like I, I felt like I was. Uh, that was funny. Jason was trying so so hard to hold that in. That like sorry, like some brain matter might have come out with that man. Like we might have got COVID through our microphones on that one. Man. I mean, he was trying so hard. I really was. That was fantastic. You see the little mic. Oh, Mike, mute button down Shut there. Shut up, man. <laughs> Shut up. Dude, th- th- dude, he's old. Like, that's... Boomer, bro. Boomer. Yeah. Where's the mute button? Yeah. Uh-oh. Where's the mute button? Uh-oh. On the screen, right there in the center. The volume button? Are you retarded? We've already derailed this. Never mind. Okay. Oh, my Anyways. gosh. So this year, this year at least, I, I felt like I was pretty well... Uh, trying to play catch up uh, at, for these matches. Like I felt like I was, I was kind of cramming for the test, so to speak. And, and so I, I wasn't able to kind of coast into the matches like I wanted to this year. Um, previously, and it, it, I have always pretty well ramped up to a big match. So like the week before a match will be where I'll, I'll shoot the heaviest and I'll shoot the hardest. And, and I do think there is a little bit of, with that mindset, you almost instinctively kind of build in that, oh, you need to shoot a whole bunch right before a match to try and be prepared. 
And so then you almost never then like you're going like the day before your match, day before you leave, and you're like you're planning on shooting three, four, five hundred rounds, whatever it is. Um, and you like you feel like you've got to shoot all those, and then you get to the end of those, it's like, well, crap, I just made a mistake. I need to shoot more, and you so you need to shoot more, and then you shoot more, and it almost ends up you never feel confident that you're actually prepared. It's like because when you're training that hard, you're not you're you're trying to build skill. Like you wouldn't. You're not going to shoot three, four hundred rounds, five hundred rounds every day, seven days in a row, and just try to do that in coast. Like you're going to be building skill doing that, mm-hmm. or one at least I am personally. Like I, I can't, I can't shoot that much and not f- try to fix stuff. And so, I do think maybe you know, Poji, my buddy Poji, revolver guy, um, he does this. He, he he'll train hard three weeks out from a match. That'll be when he he tries to peak three weeks out and then he coasts into big matches. He, he, he t- kind of takes practices chill. He, you know, he will go, you know, two, three times, you know, the week before, maybe a couple times the week of, you know, he'll go shoot and just kind of make sure that all of his equipment's all working fine. Everything's dialed in, uh, that he's feeling comfortable with the gun, but he's not, he's not doing setting up any big training thing or anything like that. Uh, he's at that point, he's just trusting that, no, I'm, my skills are good enough. And, and I think maybe with my approach is with training, ramping up before a big match like that, I never give myself the opportunity to trust that my skills are there. It's almost like you're over confirming that your skills are there every, it's like every day I got to go check to make sure my skills are, I got to go check. I got to go check. I got to go check. Um, and it's not so much, no, my, my skills are there. They're fine. Uh, I just need to make sure my gun's working and okay, the gun feels comfortable. That's fine. Go home. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting mindset to it. Part of part of what I was thinking about too, though, is like the the value of being more rested and relaxed. I guess you would say, like I, I, for me, when I go after work, it seems like I'm just gone all day running. Like I go to work, I go to the range, I come home, trying to get stuff ready for the night, try to dry fire and stuff. Like you just feel like you're running, running, running. And I wonder what the value of is also being a little more relaxed and just having your mind off of shooting doing something else for a few days like getting the good mental break and i think that was the kind of the point henning made on it was like he didn't you know never had to worry about leaving from a bad practice or anything you know if you you go shoot the day or two before you leave for the match you have a bad practice that's the freshest thing on your mind like you have no time to forget it so i think it's a interesting thought yeah i i I can't say that i've ever felt that at like felt like tired at a match like i felt like my performance has been because i've been was was stressed the week like like that i was just i wasn't able to focus um but maybe i mean maybe maybe i just maybe maybe that is something i i I can't i couldn't quantify that in any way but maybe i don't mean tired like I need a nap tired. I right, mean, like right. mentally exhausting yourself right. for just hammering on something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never been able to, like, I've never noticed that, like that that was an issue. Um, but maybe, maybe it is. And it's just cause it's just normal for me. Maybe it, but maybe it actually is an issue. I will say the other, the other one thing that I kind of noticed, maybe noticed at this match is that I may have gotten a little bit too comfortable with um, stage breakdowns. And then I, I kind of almost got 
got lackadaisical in in walkthroughs. Um, I, I, in the past, I think I've overdone some walkthroughs and some mental mental reps. And and this year, I think I maybe kind of got a little bit too like you know I walked I would figure out my stage plan, walk that stage a couple times. Okay, I know where the targets at, or feel like I know where the targets at, and and kind of kind of just chill and and kind of stop walking it when there's maybe opportunity to walk it a few more times. And and there were a couple of times in the in the match um, where I was maybe a little little bit out of position or transitioned to a target and kind of missed that transition a little bit type deal. And I may have just gotten a little too lackadaisical in it um, in my my uh, my pre-stage routine. And then maybe a, a few more reps, uh, maybe not a ton more, but but more reps. I may have I may have been too lax in that this year. And so that's that's something I'm going to mess with mess with next year and, and try to find the right right medium on that. Yeah. Well, do any of you guys have anything else to add about limited nationals? Mm-mm. No. Jer- I just think I think uh next year is going to be it's going to be interesting to hear what you're going to do next year, Jeremy, which is what we're going to talk about next episode. Yes. But it's uh it's going to be interesting to hear because because I feel like your skills are all there. And I think you do. Yeah, so it's just going to be interesting because I feel like your your takeaway from this year is is all mental. Like that's all you're thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't I don't walk away from this year's nationals and feel like oh, there's a lot of fundamentals, physical physical shooting that I've got to get better. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it was it's it's more a matter of expressing the skills that I do have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and see, and and then and then maybe because it th- then maybe there is something to fix. Maybe there is something I need to get better on. But it, it's almost it's almost irrelevant if I if I make those fine those one or two percent increases if I'm if I'm blowing fifteen percent just on poor performance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It'll be, it's going to be a good episode, the next one. Yes. And we're not going to talk about Jeff's raccoon problem and have 20 minutes talking about <laughs> our days. We might. <laughs> unless you, unless the talking about them is you killing them with a shotgun, then I don't want to hear about it. Okay. Well, I'll probably tell you anyway. You could drown. The, okay. If you, if you want to catch him, you need to put a live trap up there, put some dog food in it. All the raccoons will go in. You'll catch them. Then fill up your your daughter's little kitty pool and drop that live trap in there. Problem solved. Right. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> I love that idea. I, I think I think drowning raccoons is a perfect ending spot for this episode. So let's go ahead and pinch it off. Don't you all worry. I will let you know how the raccoon situation plays out. <laughs> I will give you a play by play every week. Every Week that is going to be the best update that we get. Okay, now we can pinch it off. Oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>